Well, hello there, and welcome to the podcast called Biblical Question. We're excited that you're taking time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that Christ would be glorified, you as our listeners would be edified. We ask that you please pray for this podcast and our continued efforts to reach out to a lost and dying world, and we do have a worldwide audience. We pray each and every day for our listeners and hope that you are well, that you're being blessed by God. Today we're going to continue. This will be part two of a balm in Gilead. We uh, discussed this last week, so if you missed that, be sure to go back and catch up. You can do that uh, on your favorite podcasting app. We have a little information here. Uh, we're still working. Hopefully by the time this podcast is up, the webpage will be back up. Uh, we have been really thoroughly uh, destroyed our we can't get it back up we've been hacked really hard uh, some of our social media accounts as well and our email and everything um, and we're just having some other issues as well we do have a man who takes care of our web page he's done a really nice job for us and done a lot more work than he's been compensated for uh, trying to figure it out for us so and we might just go without it. To be honest, uh, we really have lacking of funds to continue to go with it, so we're trying to make that decision as well. You can always write me at Post Office Box 33, Prego, Oklahoma, 74864-0033. Only in Oklahoma is it call, uh, pronounced Prague. Everywhere else in the world is pronounced Prague, and if I pronounce it Prague, I will spell it right every time. If I pronounce it Prague, I will spell it wrong every time. So, anyway, welcome to Oklahoma. So, anyway, we talked last week about uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 7. We talked about how God had warned and warned people to stop sinning, to turn back to Him, quit worshiping false gods, uh, telling them to quit uh, making offerings and sacrifices that He did not ask for or command. And he talks about in uh, chapter 7, verse 24, Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked by their own advice and stubbornness of their evil hearts, and they went backward, not forward. And so, uh, you know, we kind of concluded last week talking about God is a God of love, and that's very true. He is a God of love. And he has given you and me each an opportunity that we are alive on this earth to repent and get back and walk in the way that he wants us to walk. It's not easy to do. We live in a world that's full of hate and prejudice. And uh, even within the church, uh, sadly, there is this problem, the problem of uh, discrimination, uh, even probably racism, I guess. I really have never detected that. Uh, on a personal level, but uh, I'm sure it does exist. But the biggest thing I've noticed is uh, everybody pointing fingers at another denomination, right and wrong. Well, the right and wrong is found in the Bible. And if you're standing up for what God says is wrong, you're going to be persecuted. You, you just simply are. Um, if you don't believe me, then all the martyrs of the Bible, uh, maybe they can convince you. And so uh, God says that from the day that the people left Egypt until now, he has sent all these prophets to them, but they have rebelled and they refuse to listen. And so uh, 
we're going to kind of pick up, that's kind of where we left off, and so we're going to pick that up there. You know, as we write in chapter 8, I would like you to see four things about the suffering that these people experience. And, and just, if you're taking notes, write it down. Uh, first of all, the source of their suffering. Second of all, the severity of their suffering. Third, the sympathy for their suffering and for the solution for their suffering. And so we're, we're trying to get that through this on this podcast. And so, again, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to that as well. Probably will help make more sense of the entire uh, little mini-series here. So, let's begin in verse 17. The, the source of their suffering says, For behold, I am sending serpents among you, vipers, for which there is no charm, and they will bite you, declares the Lord. Now notice God is speaking here, and he says, uh, some versions might say, Thus saith the Lord. You know, we don't have many sermons anymore that say, Thus saith the Lord, because uh, if they did, we'd, we'd have a different world. And so, but anyway, the, the God is speaking, he says, I'm going to send these serpents among you vipers that cannot be charmed and they're going to bite you and what god is really i think referring to here is the enemy that would come against them and the lord is taking responsibility or taking credit for the suffering of these people people don't want to hear about god and the wrath of god and judgment you know in our day they just don't want to hear it they there's this idea that God wants you to have your best life now. Well, that would be nice, but that's just not reality. It's not, first of all, it's not biblical. We live in a world of sin and sorrow and suffering and shame and and all those terms that I could probably come up with. The only place we're going to have our best life is in heaven with God, with the light of God shining on us each and every day, where we can see God's face each and every day, there will be no temptations. There will be no none of this. It will be uh, the utopia that every government in the world seems to be trying to figure out how to get on this planet. And as long as simple man is on this planet, there will never be a utopia. Uh, hate to break the news to you. So, um, again, uh, modern-day preachers, uh, teachers, they, they've, they've painted this idea of a... Uh, a caring, loving, indulgent type grandfather figure with has long white flowing hair and wants his children to be happy and always handing them candy and, and all of that. Well, my folks, God, I'm not saying he's not concerned with your happiness on earth, um, but I kind of lean that way. I mean, he doesn't despise uh, happiness because there can be happiness on earth if we're in Christ. We can have that peace. But And the way that we have that is through holiness uh, that God provides. Uh, God hates sin. And that word hate in the uh, English language has this idea of malice. And it's really more in the Bible the word hate uh, should be translated rejected. Uh, God just really rejects sin. Uh, this rejection of sin is is the source of his wrath. If you don't believe me, look at the cross. 
Romans 1, 8 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, so uh, there's plenty of people on TV who just talk a charm, and they're really good car salesmen, as I say. And, but if you don't think our God is a God of wrath, and you really honestly have never read the book of Jeremiah, you've never studied it, and you certainly have not uh, looked at the cross, uh, there's lots of examples of wrath in the Bible. Uh, Genesis three twenty four. Adam and Eve being cast out of the garden. That is an example of God's wrath, the consequences of sin. Uh, the great flood in Genesis chapter 6 through chapter 8. Uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I referred to that many times in this podcast. In Genesis 19. Uh, the Egyptian army drowning in the Red Sea. Now many people don't see that as the wrath of God, but it really would be an example of that. So, and before you start thinking, well, that's all Old Testament. Uh, and I've heard that card plate so many times, I, I, I want to get sick. And if you look at Acts chapter 5, the story of An Ananias and Sapphira, husband and wife, uh, God strikes them dead in front of the church because they lied to God. And fear, if you read that text, overcame the church. Okay, so... Uh, we don't have enough fear either of God in our in our world today. Excuse me. So, even in the death of Jesus on the cross, really is a result of God's wrath, as I referred to countless times. And when Jesus is on the cross, God's direct anger against sin, past, present, future—it's uh, all on Jesus. And you need to stop and really think that you and I—we really need to understand. Will we escape his wrath if we neglect, uh, reject uh, the great salvation that God has provided for us through Christ, through his blood, through the word? Uh, Judah faced this great wrath. And the reason for their suffering was their sin. I mean, they have this wickedness about them and this idolatry. And God was one who provided this devastating a calamity that they're going to experience later in the part of Jeremiah 7, as we described last week, this valley of slaughter as it's come to be known by. And the people of Judah, really, they had set up their idols in the temple, and they had defiled the temple of God. And, you know, God just doesn't see any humor in that at all. They would build pagan shrines. They, they burned their sons and daughters in a fires and uh, sacrifices. I don't know. I mean, I just think that's really sick. Why would you take your child to be burned? I don't get that, but that's what they did. And so God would say, I have never thought to command them to do such a thing. He says, no, I've never did that. And so as a result of their wickedness, uh, God says they would uh, bury many of their dead that would, uh, they were going to run out of room. There's not enough room in that cemetery. And so, again, that would be known as the Valley of Slaughter. You can go back and look that up. But he says the body of his people w would be food for the vultures. And, and notice here in 7, verse 34, he says, Then I will cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride. 
for the land should be desolate. So God is saying that he's simply not happy with their singing and laughter uh, and the games that they're playing in the temple and so on. And so by this description, it seems that they're really enjoying sin. I mean, again, we talked last week, why do we sin? Well, because we like it. I mean, it's the honest truth. And so we need to stop liking it. We need to start liking the things that God likes. Uh, Hebrews 11.25 says that, uh, there is pleasure in sin for a season. So, listeners, you may think that you're really living it up. Uh, God's really blessing you. You've got tons of money, fancy clothes and cars. Uh, you know, and many people look at that and wonder why they can't have it, especially in foreign countries. And But they don't realize that you're living in open rebellion. You do. Uh, you, you may not uh, think that way. You... You may want to do what you are going to do. You're, you think there's no consequences for your actions. And there's an old uh, saying that my grandmother used to say, you know, one day your chickens are going to come home to roost. So if you reject Jesus, you die in your sins, you're going to stand before a holy and just God, and you're going to have to answer for your open rebellion that God can see. Now, somebody's going to say, well, even you, preacher, have sinned. Well, uh, that's true. I have, and I don't like that. And we, we need to stop trying to sin and try to figure out ways to get, uh, pick up a different lifestyle. You and I will be held accountable for the rejection of God's great mercy. I mean, right now, we're all living in a day of grace. God has sent us a message uh, through a podcast, through a sermon you've heard, uh, a parent, grandparent, maybe even a co-worker. And are we going to heed that warning while there's still time? I mean, there was still time. Uh, Jeremiah tells the people over and over, God will not destroy this place uh, if. And there's conditions to that. And so... Again, rejecting the divine invitation from a holy and pure God who has the cure for our disease. It's called sin. There is a balm in Gilead. Now, not only do we see the source of their suffering, but as we move more through the text, we're going to see uh, the severity of their suffering. And so Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 18 through 20. My sorrow is beyond healing. My heart is faint within me. Behold, listen, the cry of the daughter, my people from a distant land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not within her? Why have they provoked me with their carved images and their foreign idols? Verse 20. Harvest is past, summer is over, and we are not saved. So Jeremiah is saying that the people are weeping and they can, it can be heard across the land. And they ask, has the Lord abandoned us? Is the king no longer there? And they cried out, the harvest is finished and the summer is gone, but yet we're not saved. As promised, their laughter and singing did cease. Now they're weeping and they're mourning. And their city, Jerusalem, has been surrounded by the enemy. Um, it gets really bad for them they're going to have some severe suffering they're going to eat each other okay and so um the previous verses really i think really reveal that great 
uh, calamity that's coming for the people of Judah. And God says, for those who survive, they, they're going to rather wish they were dead than, than where he's going to send them to Babylon. The people have they simply have fallen. They've refused to get up. And they are content to remain on the path of destruction. And God is willing to hear them and forgive them, but none will repent. And we have that problem even today in the church. So Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 5 through 6. Why has this people, Jerusalem, turned away in, in apostasy? They hold on to deceit. They refuse to return. I have listened and heard. They have spoken what is not right. No one repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own course, like a horse changing into the battle. There were false teachers among them that just simply rejected the truth and taught lies. We have that today in so-called Christianity. And if you don't believe me, start reading the Bible for yourself. And, and you can't take all the Bible and pieces of the Bible, excuse me, and reject the other. You have to take all of it or none of it. It's just really, honestly, that's just the way it is. And that's the same in the days of Jeremiah. You either accepted all of the message that Jeremiah is repeating from God, or you rejected it, and they rejected it. So listen to what Jeremiah says here, starting uh, in chapter 8, verse 12. And they ashamed of their destitute... No, they're not. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So will they fall among the fallen? They will be brought down, and they are to be punished, says the Lord. I will take away their harvest, declares the Lord. There will be no grapes on the vine, there will be no figs on trees, and their leaves will wither. What I have given them will be taken from them. You know, I, I remember women in our culture used to really blush. Uh, very few of them blush anymore. Uh, you know, once women in your society are no longer ashamed or embarrassed or don't blush, um, it, it, the society has really fallen. Let's just put it that way. But God says uh, here, back to our text here, they were not ashamed of their wickedness or their sin. They realized the source of their trouble, but they, again, they still refused to repent. Notice for verse 14. Why do we still sit still? Excuse me. Assemble yourselves and let us enter the cities and let us be silent. For the Lord our God has put us to silence and given us water of gall to drink because we all have sinned against the Lord. So again, what this picture, I mean, hard, hardened rebellion. They knew God was the source of their suffering. Uh, they knew that they had sinned, but they had refused to turn from their idols. They refused to repent from their sin and turn to God. We have that today. You know, something that comes to mind here as well is uh, this new green uh, thing. You know, uh, I'm not against protecting the environment, saving the environment. Uh, my issue is we have made this a religion, and we worship the creation and not the creator. So, they refuse to repent, and our society seems to refuse to repent. 
Uh, most know that they are living in sin. Uh, most know that you need to turn from their wickedness. Most people know that they need to repent. And they most know that they need to turn or return to God. Uh, you know that there are consequences if you don't. But the problem is we are stubborn, we're hard-hearted people, just like the people in Judah. Uh, they are willing to suffer the consequences because they like their sin. They like the rebellion that they're doing. Notice the contradiction of these people back in verse 15. They, we look for peace, but no good came, and for a time of health, and behold, trouble. In the previous verse, they, they acknowledged that they had sinned against God. They knew that they are complaining because they are experiencing sicknesses and problems. and That's just like sticking your, your foot in a fire and complaining, hey, I got burned. Okay, it's really no different. It's, it's just plum stupid. So you live your lives of wickedness and open rebellion, uh, and you've allowed these things to take control of your life. You refuse to surrender to Christ, and, and you'd rather suffer the consequences. And, and you have the nerve to cry to God to fix your solution, all while remaining in direct opposition of God's Word, the Bible, and His will. And, and folks, honestly, it just doesn't really work that way. You know, again, somebody's going to say, well, you're just saying if I sin one time, I'm going to suffer these consequences. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is open rebellion. You just continue to continue to sin. You know it's a sin, uh, and you don't care. Other things have taken over your life, the priorities of, you know, whatever that is, job, friends, family, coworkers, uh, other religions, whatever. God is just simply not the first thing in your life. And when you sin against God's will, there is consequences. There will be severe consequences. If, if you die without Jesus, uh, you're going to be suffering uh, for all eternity. This disease I'm calling sin has a terminal diagnosis, just like cancer can have that. So can sin. But there is a balm in, in, in Gilead, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is offering you and me cure for our disease, and you may refuse it, and you may accept it. I mean, if I go to the doctor and he gives me the medicine, and I think, well, I really don't want that. I'll just lump it, or he doesn't really know what I really need, or he get and give me the medicine I really wanted. Uh, the same thing is true with the medicine of the Bible, God's Word. Again, either you take all of it or you take none of it. Pieces of it, parts of it here and there will not cure the sin problem. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 is where I'm headed. You know, there's going to be a day when we all hear these words. If we do not repent, depart from me, you cursed into an everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, hell was not designed for you and me in the beginning. It was designed for the rebellion and uh, for Satan, uh, the devil, Lucifer, and his rebellion against God in the war in heaven. That was really designed and created for them. But here comes Adam and Eve, and they, they sin. They openly sin. They knew better, 
and God warned them. He point blank tells them, do not eat this fruit or you will die. Now, they didn't die that very moment. Uh, God was talking about a spiritual death. This place of suffering in a dark place, separated from friends and family and God, a place of pain and torment, a place of weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. This is, this, I think, unending suffering that you and I cannot grasp. And somebody said, well, I mean, they told me this here while back at work. I'd rather go to hell. At least I know I'm going to be with my family. Uh, really? I don't know if you're going to be allowed to even be and see or know if your family is there. I don't know. Bible doesn't say. Uh, again, we're talking about punishment here, not rewards. So you could say, well, God's not going to send me there. Yes, my friend, when you reject Jesus, you choose to go there. I mean, it's your choice. This place of suffering and torment is just as eternal as heaven. And when you find yourself there, it will simply be too late to do a sinner's prayer. It will be too late to repent. There will be no baptism. There will be no second chances in hell. So if I were you, I would accept the salvation. I would find a God-fearing church that teaches the entire Word of God from Genesis 1 to the maths of your Bible. They do not worry about the political fallout. They say, thus saith the Lord. That's what you need to do. And I know that is really hard to find. There's lots of churches in my immediate area. Uh, they are on their soapboxes of their denominational teaching or one particular subject, one particular book of the Bible. Uh, and they just kind of reject or just simply don't read, study, or know the rest of the Bible. And because of that, they may not know they are contradicting other Scripture verses. And so that's why it's so important to study the entire Word of God. Again, we have seen the source of their suffering, the severity of their suffering. And now, verses 18 to 21, we will see... Uh, the sympathy for their suffering. Verse 18, You who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king no longer there? Why have they aroused my anger with their images and their worthless foreign idols? The harvest is past and the summer is ended and we are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn, the horror grips me. So Jeremiah really loves the people and he has compassion for them and he tries over and over again to, uh, to get them to listen, but they refuse. I mean, he's thrown into prison. Uh, he cries. He's known as a weeping prophet. I think this man's tears was probably endless when it came to what he knew God was going to do, and what the people were going to do. Uh, verse 21 says that he, uh, because of their hurting, he is hurting. I mean, he was to over, overcome. He was just overcome with grief and sadness because of the people. And, and the church today, I honestly believe this, could learn a great deal from Jeremiah's concern for people suffering due to their sin. May we have come to a place uh, in the church that we are brokenhearted, mourn for those bound for hell. I don't know that we are or not. 
Uh, I think it depends on the individual congregations, but not necessarily as the church as a whole. Uh, do we really grasp, again, that hell is absolutely real? And many of our loved ones, co-workers, friends, and family uh, are going there. We really need to do our part to reach out and try to help snatch them from the fire. And it's God that really does all of that. We are just his messenger, just like Jeremiah. And believe me, there are going to be people who will laugh at you, mock at you, reject you, just like they did Jeremiah. Turn with me real quick to Luke chapter 19. If you have a Bible, I certainly hope that you do, and following along in that Bible. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 41, when he approached Jerusalem, this would be Jesus, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make peace, but now you have hidden in from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of the visitation. So uh, Rome would do that. So again, if you're not washed and cleansing the blood of Christ, if you're not walking in the light, you are headed for a great danger. You're going to face this full judgment of, of God. I hope that you understand it, it, this really does not have to happen. God is compassionate for your suffering. The fact is, the evidence is that he's extending you an invitation to receive the cure for your sin disease, and that is his word and his blessings for being obedient to him, following him, becoming a child of God. Perhaps you're listening and, and have seen these dangers that await you. Uh, you're suffering a significant consequences because of your lifestyle that you live. Uh, and just because you get sick or you have cancer or whatever doesn't mean that you're living in sin. Some of that's called life. But maybe God has sent you some wake-up calls. And I want you to know there is a balm in Gilead for you. We have seen the source the severity and the sympathy concerning the sin of the people. But finally, as I promised, I want to examine the solution for their suffering. Jeremiah 8, 22 says, Is there a balm, no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people been restored? Again, another rhetorical question in, in this verse. Is there a balm in Gilead? Is there no physicians? Well, the answer is yes and yes. The most exciting ball in the world is there is a Gilead. And there are many physicians uh, there who would able to apply this bomb. And there's another question here in this verse. Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Well, the answer really lies in they refuse to go to the doctor. Uh, just like they refuse to go to Jesus. They, spiritually speaking... They were morally diseased. They had sinned against God, and they repeatedly warned. They were told to repent, and they refused. They continued in their sin, and as a result, they suffered greatly. There was a great cure, but they rejected it. 
one of the mountains of Gilead there, or there again, there are certain trees here and kind of help understand this idea. We're about to wrap this up here, so bear with me. They would remove this bark from a certain tree, and from the side of that tree would flow this resin. And they would take this resin, and they would process it, ground it into powder. Uh, and this balm, it had excellent healing capabilities from what I've been able to read and understand. And we find in the scriptures that there is a, there's another vital tree for us today. And it, it's located on Mount Calvary. Hung on that tree was the great physician. There's a song about all of that. But, and from his side flowed the great balm of healing. And that would be his blood. His healing and salvation is what flowed from his side, from his wounds. And from this balm, your sin problem is cured. The true blood, this true balm is, of course, Jesus. And there's many references to the blood of Christ throughout the New Testament. Judas called it innocent blood in Matthew chapter 27, verse 4. Peter called it precious blood in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. The Apostle John called it a cleansing blood in 1 John chapter 1 and a washing blood in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Paul called it a purchasing blood in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, redeeming blood in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, justifying blood, Romans chapter 5, peacemaking blood in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, and the writer of Hebrews calls it sanctifying blood in chapter 13, verse 12, and powerful blood in Hebrews 13, verse 20. Also in the book of Hebrews, if you're there, kind of trying to follow along, that in verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. It's our sin. There is no doubt some folks listening are lost and headed for hell unless you stop and repent. And that's true in the congregations around you, you see people. We don't have this thing in front of the door when we walk through the church building like a, an x-ray machine. Um... It tells you what's wrong inside. It doesn't, we don't have that ability to do that. God does, but we do not. There is complete healing available. And again, I've said it over and over. The blood of Christ is the cure. And there's plenty of blood to go around. You know, back in the 80s, I recall there was an estimated, I don't know, 300 and some thousand cases of polio worldwide. I always thought as a kid that was done away with. I knew a lady who lived in Tulsa uh, who had polio and had to have braces to walk. And vaccines came out, and within 20 years, this terrible crippling disease uh, is almost non-existent. And so we can have healing. And listeners, there is a cure for this disease that's causing us to suffer spiritually. There's a cure, and that is the blood of Christ. You must be washed in the blood of, of the Lamb. There is no price that you and I can pay for this healing. It is Jesus and his price that he paid at Calvary. And that's how simple it really is. 
to be cured from this disease. There is a balm waiting on you to have. Certainly hope and pray that you've enjoyed this uh, two-part series, The Balm in Gilead. I uh, hope you can see how important, how much Jeremiah is relevant to us today. If, I mean, that's true with any part of the Bible. Uh, I just happen to really enjoy uh, the book of Jeremiah. And it's just, people haven't changed, only the, the calendar has. And so... It is our job, it's our, our, to our best of our abilities that God has given to us to, to tell others about Jesus, uh, the plan of salvation, uh, the cleansing blood, help them find a, a church that you know is teaching the truth. I know a lot of folks are just meeting in homes because they really just can't find uh, a, a congregation uh, of any flavor that's teaching the, the Bible and when they ask questions, they can't always find that answer. And the preachers don't know. The elders don't know. Uh, it's really kind of a sad situation. I don't know everything, but I do know where to go look and try to find it. And that's what I really enjoy doing. Well, I want to thank you again for listening. As you, uh, If you're a long-time listener, you've noticed uh, we're not putting any of our little prompts in asking for financial help. We seriously do need it. That somebody has hacked our web page. It is down at the time of this recording. Uh, and our social media accounts uh, have also been hacked. Uh, they're still up partially. But uh, it's really kind of sad that this is what's come to. So if you are in the United States and your church would be willing to help us, it won't take a whole lot to keep the basic podcast going. We have a big enough listener audience that it will continue to grow as people tell others. Uh, we, we would certainly appreciate your help. And you can send those funds. That your church can do that. Um, that way if you need the tax credit or whatever. But uh, the address is Post Office Box 33, Prague, Oklahoma, 74864-0033. I know the rest of the world pronounces it Prague, and if I pronounce it that way, I will spell it right. If I do not pronounce it uh, the Czech way, I will misspell it. Anyway, I appreciate your thoughts, your prayers, as I continue to try to strive to do God's will to help each and every one of you understand God a little better, a little deeper, each and every week. Please tell others about us. Tell your church family about us. I don't care who you tell. Tell somebody. You never know. They really might enjoy listening. We will uh, have another email account up and going soon. Uh, so bear with me on that, please. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. And may He have the glory.